I'm Chaplain John McTernan, and this is our Tuesday night Bible teaching night. And we have been in the book of uh, Daniel for quite a while now, and there's a lot of material to mine out of these, um, well, the 90th, uh, the 70th week prophecy. So I think this is the uh, fifth um, teaching I have on it, on, on just on the 70th week. So I can't go into the previous weeks of prophecy. A uh, week, folks, is uh, seven years. So the prophecy is for uh, 490 years. That's 70 weeks, weeks of sevens. It's a Hebrew expression for years. So it's 490 years. 483 are complete at the first coming of Jesus Christ. And then there's a span, which is the church age, waiting for the end times. And then there's seven years left, one week left. And that's how we get the terminology, the 70th week of Daniel, because it's in the prophet Daniel. So I'll be getting to that shortly. And then we have tonight, we have here Sister Kathy. Hello, Kathy. Good evening, Chaplain John and everybody. Okay, I'm glad you're here. And well, I had already dozed off, so I will be I will be signing off and whenever I have to, but thank you, thank you. You're still busy about that house? Oh uh, yeah, I am. And it's just I was there all day today and hopefully she's coming tomorrow to to, you know, buy some more stuff. And then I'm just about ready to call the nonprofits to come pull it out. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you. And then, Sharon, how was your day, Sharon? Well, I've had an absolute crazy day. 
and um, nothing on my computer would work right. And of course, you know, it's my fault. And I pushed the wrong tab or something like that. And uh, I can't get anything to want to work right. And I said to myself, oh man, oh, am I going to be able to listen to Chaplin John? You know, and so uh, uh -oh. earlier I. Uh oh, the world's coming to an end. The world's coming to an end. <laughs> oh, well, close to it, real close. And I went to Rumble and uh, I could see all your old stuff and everything. And I, I messaged my son. I goes, well, I think we'll be able to listen and I'll be able to send you a link. And so I was just praying for that. And guess what? What? You were you're, right. the only, you're the only site that's working right. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, I kid you. I kid you not. It's I messed up the computer. I'll have to work and get everything reorganized uh, tomorrow. But uh, for some reason, I could not mess up Rumble or your Bible teaching. <laughs> okay. You tried. And you I tried, Bobby, but you Bobby couldn't do it. All right. And here is yeah. uh, Rita. Hello, Rita. John. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank okay. you. And then we have uh, uh, Paula Jean here. Hello, Paula Jean. Good evening. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. And Me too. Would this be Randy and Gigi? Gigi and Randy, by any chance? It is. And okay. actually, we apologize. We were on last night, but we were exhausted, so. That's okay. <laughs> okay. It's okay. God bless you. All right. God bless you. <clears throat> and just a quick, um, I want to, something to edify everyone. Well, first of all, in a rare occasion this morning, the sound was very poor. It was all staticky and uh, gar a lot of it was garbled. But Pastor um, Zephaniah came from uh, Kenya, and uh, Maya, oh my, Sister Kathy, I think you left it when Zephaniah came, right? You weren't there. I, I left when um, Alex was on. Yeah. So well, I wasn't even there. I didn't even hear Zeph. Yeah, so Zach, um, Zephaniah came, and... This, yeah, so I heard and I, I had trouble picking him up, and I wasn't able to get back to him, Sister Karen, because I wanted to hear clearly. Uh -huh. But anyways, uh, I've got the brochure up. It's in his language, Swahili. And this, wow. is, this is set fire, spiritual fire. And in March, they're having a uh, pastor's convention. Did he say 500 pastors? Sister, uh, oh, yes, he did. Yeah. They're having 500 pastors uh, for two days, and they want this. Of course, this would be over Zoom. Uh, over, um, well, Zoom is fine. And uh, they want me to teach yeah. on the brochure that it is um, ignited a fire, ignited a fire there in East Africa. Awesome. That's tremendous. And then he was. Then excuse me. Does sister? that coincide with um, Pastor Dove's? Seven nations. No, past no. His is in um, May. 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 Yeah. And May. yours is in March. Right. 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 Awesome. Right. 
And they gave the brochures out in Makur Kayaba, which is the area of Nairobi that Sephaniah is in. And that's what was breaking up. I really wanted to hear because he was excited about the reaction to the Muslims, to the brochure. They had given it to the Muslims. It was definitely bad sound, bad sound. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have read it. And they've confessed Christ right on the spot, and they're joining his mm-hmm. church. So mm-hmm. you got the the chat room here in Rumble. They're all excited right now. Uh, Trump has just taken Michigan by storm. Okay, I, I thought you said I had them all excited. <laughs> I thought they were excited about <laughs> what's going on in the, the five hundred. Well, you you two kind of run hand in hand. Okay. So, Kathy and everybody else, uh, we have 500 pastors in Uganda uh, that uh, Pastor Zephaniah, uh, one of the pastor that's a head of a ministry called Pastors Teaching Pastors. Uh, he has 500 right. pastors under him. They, they've joined this about the uh, prophecy and the coming of Christ. And also in Uganda, you have the college with a thousand students, and then they have outreach to like a thousand alumni. Uh, they're part of, they're, they're joining. This is setting fire, folks. I want everybody excited. Please, this <laughs> prophecy Amen. that the Lord's given me here, putting it in a brochure form, it's like a sermon. It's like a, kind of a, yes. uh, a sermon. Wow, we so now we have 500 pastors in Kenya that are joining, and they've had people. It's one souls already there in Makuru Kayaba. They've read it, they've confessed Christ, right. and they've joined um, uh, the church. And I'm, I want to hear what he had to say about the Muslims. The static was so bad, I couldn't hear him. So I will update right. you. I will update you on that. Uh, because this is, uh, what can I say, folks? Even, even so, come, Lord Jesus. All right, let's Amen. get Amen. Let's get into uh, Daniel chapter nine, and let me open with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for uh, the book of Daniel, Lord, and the uh, prophecy in it, and how it, it it sets the date, the literal date for. Uh, actually the first coming of the Messiah, which turns out to be uh, March, April of uh, 31 AD. That's the exact time frame, exactly when Jesus Christ uh, entered into Jerusalem and revealed himself as the Messiah. Well, thank you. And then there's more to it. And that's what we want to cover tonight. So I'm asking your blessings on the teaching tonight. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth, that it will be rightly divided and be a blessing. Whatever I do is under the blood of the everlasting covenant that you made with us. On Calvary, Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, I'm going to need a little help tonight because 
I'm not sure uh, what I covered last week. So how's that, Sister Kathy? Uh, the problem, the, but the reason I'm not sure is I had a sequence here for the 70th week, uh, but it, it, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So I have it in a certain order here in PowerPoint, but then I didn't go in the order I had it in. <laughs> so did I teach last week, if you remember, about the uh, little horn? I don't remember that. Okay. Uh, Sharon, do you remember me teaching? I don't remember that. Okay, good. All I right. don't remember that. Good. Good. That gives me a starting point. <laughs> All right. So what I'm going to do now, um, we're going. I'm going to start. Let me get it over so you can see it. I won't keep. I got to remember that. Okay. So this is Daniel's seventieth week, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now he he comes at the end of the seventieth week. That's the end of the four hundred ninety year prophecy. So. Um, he, 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 he's not actually in the 70th week, but the prophecy ends with his coming. It actually ends with the destruction of the beast, as he's called in the book of Revelation. But he's also called the beast in the book of Daniel. And I, I want to show you that also. So I want to cover this because it's important. Daniel's... Uh, it's a little bit out of order, I guess, from our thinking, because Daniel, the, the chapters, let me see if I have it here. I should have it here. Yeah, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapters 2, 7, and 9. 2, 7, and 9. Because Daniel chapter 2 is about the Lord's coming and the, the events that are taking place leading up to his coming. That's why I want to cover it. And it's referred to as the stone, he's referred to as the stone cut without hands. In other words, it's not the work of man. It had nothing to do with the work of man. This is the work of God. And then Daniel uh, chapter 7, it's his clearly his second coming, as he's coming um, as the uh, from heaven as the son of man with the clouds of heaven. And then in chapter 9, it tells us what's transpiring there leading up to Christ. So nine is actually about more about his first coming. Daniel two is about his second coming and Daniel seven is about his second coming. And that's why I wanted to put it all together. Um, the teachings that I've seen about it, they don't do what I'm, I haven't seen any that doing what I'm doing. I'm putting his first and second comings together. However, it so happens that it's reversed. It's the second coming that's taught first. And the reason for that um, is Daniel is talking with King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's presenting the king, the Messiah, as a king. And that's how he's explaining it to um, King Nebuchadnezzar. And really, it's the same with the seventh chapter, the Lord's second coming. But the first 
coming is in Daniel chapter 9, where it tells us about him being revealed as the Savior. It says, a Messiah shall be killed, but not by, but not for himself. All right, so let's look at um, uh, Daniel chapter 2, starting at verse 34. And what happened was King Nebuchadnezzar had this uh, dream that greatly troubled him. And he wanted it interpreted. But more than that, he wanted it, um, uh, he wanted them to tell him what, he wasn't going to tell them what the dream was about. His uh, soothsayers there. He was going, they had to tell him what the dream was about and then interpret it. So no one in his kingdom there could do it. And he was going to put them all to death. But Daniel interceded. And he told them what the dream was, and then he interpreted it. So what we're looking at now, uh, that basically what it was, there was four kingdoms coming on earth. And there are actually way more than four kingdoms. But the four kingdoms uh, have to do about Israel and Israel uh, in the land. So the first one, no, not uh, let's put it this way. The nation of Israel under the authority of Gentile kings. So the first one is about King uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And that's an image of a man and his head is of gold. Then the second one is like uh, a chest and he has a breastplate on, which is silver. That's the Persian Empire. And the third one is sort of the midsection of bronze. That is the Greek Empire. And then the fourth is um, legs of iron, uh, which is the Roman Empire. And actually, there's a fifth one there, and that's the feet. And that's the one that's coming, the one that's coming during the tribulation period. And that will be present at the second coming of Jesus Christ and is destroyed. So let's look at this now and we'll go to verse 34. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands. And now it's a picture. The picture is this huge image of a man and it was standing there. And then uh, Daniel is describing it as a stone cut out without hands. So in other words, it has no human, there's no human uh, part of this. This is strictly from God, which smote the image with his feet that were of iron and clay and break them into pieces. Verse uh, 35, then was the iron and clay and brass and silver and gold broken into pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away uh, that no place was found for them and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth so this has to do about uh, these gentile empires and the last one it's you, you'll see it right there the uh, then was the iron and clay now that's the feet mixed iron and clay and that's very weak, folks. The, the iron and clay don't mix together. 
But this stone that was made without hands hit this huge image and busted it to pieces. So there was nothing left of it, just like uh, uh, chaff there, like like hay when you're uh, threshing on the threshing floor. The wind blows it away, dust it becomes dust. But that uh, stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That great mountain is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So this has to do about Christ's second coming. Now it continues, the stone cut without hand. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. There it is, the kingdom. And the king from the God of heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know from other teachings that his kingdom is going to be on a high or his uh, uh, palace, his house, as he says it, uh, it's going to be on a high, like plateau, where Jerusalem is now, and he's going to have, as he refers to it, his house there, and the, that will be the center of political, religious, and economic uh, rule over the earth. Will be right there at Jerusalem which shall never be destroyed and a kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it will shall stand forever. So that's again, that's the king kingdom that is set up immediately after the second coming of Jesus Christ. For as much as thou sawest the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and it break in pieces the iron and the brass and the clay and the silver and the gold and the great god hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter the dream is certain and the interpretation of it sure and nebuchadnezzar was very happy with that so this there's a prophecy now about christ's second coming so let me hang, hang on here for a second, please. Okay. Um, there's one thing that's very interesting on this. If we go back and we see there, verse 35, uh, then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken into pieces together and became like chaff of the summer, threshing floor, and the wind carried them away. Um, the iron and the clay has to do about the feet. Well, actually, it was verse 34, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay. Well, iron is very weak, and clay, uh, of course, is not. They don't mix, but this is going to be the kingdom uh, at the end times. The 70th week is right there, the iron and the clay. And the 70th week of Daniel is what this stone cut out without hands is going to smash and then become uh, a mountain throughout the earth. Uh, now, there's more to this about the iron and the clay. 
and I may I may spend some time on it separate because it's very interesting. It talks about the seed of man connected with iron, the iron and the clay. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at it as this is not, uh, natural. This is not, this is, I think, a sign of mankind being tampered with. Uh, at, at this time in the end times, of course, that's what's happening right now. So I'll leave that for now. And uh, maybe t- Thursday, we'll look at it and just I'll speculate a little on it. I also want to go into Revelation 9 about these, um, uh, these like beasts let out from hell on the earth during this time. Because it, it looks like there's going to be real, real Shall we say supernatural things happening, or well, not not natural, not natural things uh, being loosed on the earth? So this is chapter two, where uh, the Lord is calling, is um, called the stone cut without hands. It's at his second coming, and it was a vision shown King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, at the second coming. All those kingdoms are going to be rolled into one. So the Babylonian Empire, and it, they get progressively bigger. You get the Babylonian Empire absorbed by the Persian Empire, which is absorbed by the Greek Empire, which is absorbed by the Roman Empire. So all of them are like there in the last days. That's the picture you get. Uh, from that dream and Daniel's interpretation. But the last one is feet as uh, clay and iron. So it's very strong with with the iron, but very unstable with the clay. All right, so let's go over to Daniel chapter 7 now. And this is again about the Lord's second coming. And he is called the Son of Man. And... This is uh, about his second coming. He conquered the beast and set up uh, the kingdom. Now, the, the, the term beast here is incredibly important. And when we get to it, I'll show you and how it ties in with uh, the, clearly, right? With this chapter 7 is ties in directly with Revelation chapter 13. All right, so... Again, Daniel sees this vision. Hang on. Okay, Daniel in this vision um, sees these kingdoms that he saw in uh, in in chapter two, but in chapter two, it's like the glory of man: gold, silver, bronze, iron. Descending order and value. So the, the kingdoms that came after Babylon were not as, did not have the splendor that Babylon did. Although, you know, the, the especially the Greek was pretty impressive. Um, but anyways, it was descending order. When we get to Daniel chapter 7, there's beasts described there. And they are described as the, um, what would you call it? If you were to put the two 
visions together, the one in chapter 2 and the one in chapter 7. Now, 7 Daniel had and, and 2 Nebuchadnezzar had, but they match. Like, for example, the head of gold is the lion, which is King Nebuchadnezzar. And then you come down to uh, uh, silver, and that's the Persian Empire that's like a bear. It's a beast like a bear. Then you come down to the uh, uh, bronze, and that would be uh, Alexander the Great, which is looked at this beast with the wings, and it's like sort of a leopard and all. And then you get uh, the one that he saw, iron, and King, and King Nebuchadnezzar saw iron, and then in Daniel's, it's, it's a ferocious beast. It's like not human, and it's different than all the others. So that leads in, then, to those kingdoms being destroyed, and then a throne seen in heaven. And that's Daniel uh, chapter 7, verse 10. So a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Now that's before the Lord sitting on his throne. is referred to the Ancient of Days. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were open. So what happened is Daniel saw this broad uh, view of heaven from what we would say in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 to chapter 20, because the judgments... uh, are set forth in chapter 20 after the tribula- after the tribulation period after the millennial reign of Jesus Christ so it's a broad sweeping view of heaven in verse 13 and i saw in the night visions and behold one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him so when Christ returns, he's the one like the Son of Man. He's coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, the clouds of heaven are in verse 10, Daniel 7, 10. Um, and it's a thousand thousands ministered unto him. And ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. So these are the ones that are coming with Christ. And they're called the clouds of heaven. And I believe that the reason they're called clouds from heaven, they're all dressed in white. And when the Lord returns, he's in the lead. And we follow him. And we're all dressed in white. So on earth, if you were to look up, we'll say in the sky, to see Christ coming with all that white behind him. Now he's he's going to, oh, he'll his base clothing will be white, but he's going to have gold, a lot of gold on him and uh, and other things. So um, that would be probably like billowing clouds behind him. That's what it'll look like. And I believe that that's why it's referred to as the clouds of heaven. Now, you'll see the clouds of heaven in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all referring to uh, Daniel. Uh, 7 here, verse 13, 
And then in, uh, you don't see it in John, but in the book of Revelation, it talks about chapter one about him coming with the clouds. So all the, all the gospel writers refer to the clouds of heaven. And when the Lord was, uh, so this is, so I, I'm stopping and showing you, this is an incredibly important verse, folks. Daniel 7.13, it's, it's in four books in the New Testament. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the book of Revelation. And when the Lord was before uh, the high priest in uh, chapter 26, uh, the high priest was asking him, he wanted him to say out loud, are you the Messiah? And the way Christ, the way the Lord answered him, it says, you shall not see me till I'm on the, sitting on the right hand of power. And that's about his second coming in the clouds of heaven, coming with the clouds of heaven. And uh, the high priest rent his clothes and said, what more proof do we need? You know, he's committed blasphemy. So the Lord quoting Daniel seven thirteen, or making reference to it, um, was what the evidence, quote the evidence the high priest used to send them to the cross. Now the high priest couldn't kill him, only the Romans could, so they had to kind of frame him uh, for the Romans. Uh, but that's the verse, folks, right there, Daniel seven thirteen. That is a powerful verse as it's found, uh, well, it's actually found twice in Matthew, where he, during, I, I don't think it's twice in uh, Mark or Luke, as I come to think about it, but in Matthew, it is at the Olivet Discourse. He tells his disciples when he returns, he's going to be coming on the clouds of heaven. And then uh, just a little later, he uses that, same expression before the high priest. So it is a significant verse in prophecy, very significant about his second coming. Daniel seven fourteen, And there was given him, now this is the Messiah, the son of man. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages could serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So actually 13 and 14 going together are very important because you could see that the Son of Man in verse 14 is King Messiah coming to set up his throne on earth. So that is Daniel chapter 7 also about the second coming of the Lord. Now let's go to chapter uh, 9. And uh, 9, he's called the Most Holy and the Messiah. Now, the the, the second coming uh, here is about setting up the kingdom. So when we go to verse 24, and 70 weeks, that's 77, 490 years, are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, 
and to make reconciliation for iniquity, now and to bring in everlasting righteousness. To bring in everlasting righteousness is Jesus Christ. He is righteous. There's no man on earth righteous. He is righteous. And it's called bring it in. That's his first coming, folks. They were to recognize him and accept him and believe in him uh, when he came. That's when he came on a donkey the first time. Everlasting righteousness. Now notice where it says to seal up the vision and prophecy. That means fulfill it. Fulfill it. And then after it, it says, and to anoint the most holy. So he's the, they are to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy. Okay, to, to fulfill it, to end it. But then like an afterthought almost, it says, and to anoint the most holy. Now, of course, to anoint the most holy would be to anoint Jesus Christ as the king of Israel. That's what it means to anoint the most holy. So in Daniel 9.24, you have the first coming to bring in everlasting righteousness. And then you have the second coming to anoint the most holy. So what happened was, <clears throat> excuse me, after uh, the Lord returned, uh, or after he uh, was uh, showing that he was the Messiah, we call that uh, Palm Sunday. He will be cut off, but not for himself, because he's going to die for the sin of the people. So this is first coming, right there. So Daniel 9 is leading up. It's a, the Most of Daniel 9 is about his first coming. However, it remains to anoint the most holy. <clears throat> that is their, that's still the function of Israel, folks. That's not been rescinded. So that is going to take place uh, during, uh, well, during his second coming. So the first part of this prophecy, the 483 years, is to fulfill everything up to, in Daniel 9.24, up to, to anoint the most holy. Um, and then... Then the part about he's going to be cut off, but not for himself. That's all about his first coming. What's left is to anoint the most holy. To anoint the most holy. And this we see will be at the end of the 70th week. And Isaiah 9, chapter 6 and 7, write about this. Um, this is, about, I call it the coronation this will be the coronation of King Messiah and Israel anointing him, recognizing him. And anointing would be, uh, I guess, that he's going to receive the anointing that the kings of Israel would. And that's how they poured oil, olive oil, on them. And they uh, would come all over. Because I'm stopping and I'm thinking here to anoint the most holy. Would he be submitting to the way the kings of Israel are anointed? And the priest, the high priest. Well, the king and Israel were anointed the same way. Um, so I don't know. 
I don't know, but here, this is going to be at the coronation, at the time where he is anointed. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Um, right there in verse 6, it says the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's the second coming. Now we get down to verse 7. And the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That matches beautifully with Daniel seven fourteen, about when the Son of Man comes, setting up his everlasting kingdom. And upon the throne of David, I like this because this scripture is really clear about the throne during the king, kingdom reign is going to be the throne of David. And upon his kingdom, well, the throne and the kingdom, they go together to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from Now notice this, henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. So there is a day coming after Christ returns that the kingdom will be established. And it says henceforth. From this point, right here, from this point, you'll be forever going forward. So there is the first and second coming in uh, Daniel chapter 9. And the second one will come, the second coming will be fulfilled at the end of the 70th week, at the end. So that remains future, and during that 70th week, when the Lord returns, he is going to destroy and obliterate the beast as he spawned. So, all right, so let's take a look in connection with this. Now, what did I do here? Here we go. The little horn of Daniel. The little horn of Daniel is the beast of Revelation. <clears throat> now, these are the kingdoms that I had mentioned earlier already um, that Daniel saw in his vision. And they match what, what um, Nebuchadnezzar saw. Nebuchadnezzar saw from the outside the majesty of these kingdoms. But Daniel sees what, how God sees them as beasts. So let's go to Daniel 7.2 now. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven drove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another, lion, bear, leopard. And the fourth one is indescribable, not natural. After this, I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of fowl. And the beast also had <clears throat> four heads, and dominion was given to it. Now that beast is the uh, leopard. That is the uh, Alexander the Great's kingdom. And after he died, uh it was divided into four parts. That's why you see four wings and four heads. 
it was divided into uh, he had no heir so his top generals received his uh, kingdom now amongst these um, horns as they referred to uh, the horns represent power in verse 8 and I considered the horns and behold there came up among them another little horn so this is important now amongst those kingdoms came another one and it's called a little horn behold this horn where eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things and i beheld verse 11 because the voice of the great words which the horn spake i beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning of now, now here what daniel is seeing in this vision is the end time empires they're going to be coming together and they're going to be headed up by the little horn who is also known as the beast now he has other words we call him the antichrist the son of perdition uh, there's so many names for him the uh well the beast the son of perdition the antichrist man of sin there you go the man of sin and he is going to be destroyed now i want you to see something very important here in verse 11 and it says and his body destroyed now back in the day when i i was sort of engaged in different um, uh, doctrines there was a good amount of people that did not think uh that the beast of Revelation 13 was literal. It was somehow figurative. And it was more like a nation. It was like the Nazi Germany. Now, if you look here in verse 11, it says, his body destroyed. So this is one of the verses that become uh, significant for the literal in this little literalness of the antichrist the beast uh, i don't know today i'm kind of not circulating in that arena anymore uh, but it was a big hot debate 40 years ago about whether the beast was literal or figurative and whether it was a nation only and not a man and all and of course um the, the beast is real it's he it's a man he was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame so the beast here and the little horn are the same which is the beast of revelation chapter 13. so this scripture here daniel 7 11 is really important showing the literalness of the antichrist he, he, he is a real person with a real body. Now, inside, uh, he may be a beast. That, that very well is literal beast. 
we may no longer have a human soul, but be just one big, well, Satan. Also, what's important in verse uh, 8 is a mouth speaking great things. So the mouth speaking great things and the uh, beast, as he's referred to, being slain and his body destroyed and given over to burning flame becomes very significant in the book of Revelation. And in 13, particularly a mouth speaking great things, in Revelation chapter 19 is when uh, he is slain. So let's take a look at this now. And uh, verse uh, chapter 8. Well, I've already discussed that. Mouth speaking great things. And then in Daniel 7.20. And the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up and before them three fell, even that horn which had had eyes and a mouth that spoke very great things, who look was more stout than his fellows. The word stout, stout there is fierce. Um, Daniel, as he sees the beast, he is fierce looking. And he, in verse 20, he says he spake very great things. Now, this it's kind of confuses me. Uh, when it says he spoke very great things, I had to learn that very great things doesn't necessarily mean good. You could maybe say, uh, like Hitler, uh, when I saw Hitler talk, give speeches, um, and back in, in Germany there, he looked like an insane madman to me. I didn't understand German. And his facial movements and the way his fists were. But the crowds that understood German were going wild over him. He was speaking very great things to them. He was a great orator. Evil, which could be. So great doesn't mean good. Great means like, well, I know, I'm trying to think of another word for great here. Uh, I can't really think of another word for great. But uh, Lenin was the same way. Now, he, there wasn't as many videos of Lenin, but he would command big crowds, and he could really speak, to, resonate with them. So to them, he spake, he spoke very great things. Hitler was that way. I don't know about Stalin. Uh, Mayo was like that. So that's what the mouth here of the beast is like. Very great things, not good, but big, powerful, persuasive. Now we go to Revelation 13, 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given him to continue for 42 months. So the beast, the Antichrist, is going to be given 42 months on earth. Now, what's very interesting in this, and I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, but those that have studied the New Testament, uh, they count the uh, uh, Passovers in the Gospels, and they figure the Lord's ministry was uh, 
three and a half years or 42 months. So the Lord is going to give Satan with his Messiah, so to speak, 42 months on earth to do his thing, just like the Lord was given three and a half years. Well, I, I think that's very interesting. That's it, folks. He's getting three and a half years. Now, he's going to do a lot of damage in three and a half years, but that's it. The first half of the tribulation period, as I understand it, with the whore riding the beast, and the beast is um, the political system on earth during the first half of the tribulation period, uh, he is, a, he is a, a powerful player in that. And he comes out of it to lead and declare that he is God for the last three and a half years. So he is a bad guy, folks, in the first three and a half years, because we know when we look at um, the, the fifth seal in Revelation 6, the, the people that are slain during the first three and a half years, they are crying out for the avenging of their blood. And when we look over at um, Revelation chapter 17 with the whore of Babylon riding the beast, 13.6 says, and, uh, and the beast was drunk with the blood of the saints and the martyrs. Drunk with it. And that, that coincides with those that are under the altar in uh, Revelation chapter 6, the fifth seal. So the Antichrist, the beast, is going to be a major player in the first half in uh, using the government to kill everybody that will not come under uh, the whore of Babylon system, the harlot religious system, which I believe is paganism. It's going to be classic paganism, the religion of the tribulation period. And that's why I've been saying for years that communist China, communism is going to fall um, because communism is not going into the tribulation period. Worshipping uh, the, pa the pagan idols will be. And the same with Islam. I believe Islam is going to be broken over the first battle of Jerusalem. And as we know it, it's going to be smashed. And a lot of Muslims are going to come to Christ. And a lot are going to go under the horror of Babylon. All right. So, the man of sin, the son of perdition, uh, is going to be a great orator like Hitler. Now, here's two more scriptures about his speaking. And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. Notice, notice how in the first mention, Revelation 13, 5, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. So with me, I'm always looking for the three witnesses, two or three witnesses in scripture. All right, so here's the first witness in Revelation 13, 5, that he's going to be a great orator, but here it adds he's a blasphemer, attacking God. Now the next one is Revelation 13, 6, and he opened his mouth 
in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle of them that dwell with him. So he's going to have a mouth speaking great things and what's coming out of it is blasphemy. So there's the two witnesses in scriptures uh, showing what the beast is, uh, what's coming out of his mouth. He's, he hates God so bad that he, what can he do? He can't touch God. He can't hurt God. He, at this point, he's been thrown out of heaven. So he, he had access to God before that. He doesn't now, completely shut out. So he's standing there on earth, just raising his voice up, speaking blasphemies to God in heaven, who is sitting in his, on his throne in the tabernacle in heaven. And notice, he's also blaspheming, uh, it says, and them that dwell in heaven. And them that dwell in heaven. Oh. I personally believe, because it just got a, a general statement. Now, we know in heaven there are multitude, uncountable number of angels and uh, and then believers. Believers in the Lord are in heaven. And I think that he's going to be uh, blaspheming us because I don't think the angelic realm has play in this this is like personal between the man of sin son of perdition and god god of heaven in us so we had he, he could not we we trust in christ we were raptured and we're in heaven now so he's blaspheming god and them that dwell in heaven so it's not limited to the lord but to us also so there's the two witnesses the tremendous blasphemy of this man and then it, it talked about the um, where it's going to end up for the little horn the beast so revelation daniel seven eleven, i beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake i beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So he sees the destruction of the beast, because he's actually referred to as the beast. Revelation 19.19 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Now here, here is how long the war took. And the beast was taken, no time at all. And with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. That is the final abode, folks. The final place for the wicked is the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Hell as we know it now is like a like a holding pen. They're suffering in hell, waiting for the great white throne judgment. 
And after the great white throne judgment, the people are placed in the lake of fire burning with brimstone. See, and that shows that uh, they are, they were, they were human in some sort, and they had bodies because you have to place someone into hell like that, into the lake of fire, they got to have a body. So Daniel 7.11 says, I beheld even till the beast was slain. There's Revelation 19.20. And his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Okay, I think that um, that handles it. I, I do go on and discuss the horns. Yeah, and the fourth beast, uh, I think we'll cover in, in the next time because um, I'm going to spend time on that. So that will probably be Thursday that um, I'll look at the, uh, the fourth beast because it appears not to be human, folks. But that's um, tonight. That's covering uh, Daniel. Daniel, I wanted you to see the first and second coming uh, of uh, the Lord and Daniel and all about the things that will be happening during the 70th week, like about the beast and great uh, oratory skills and the end of him and all. So uh, Thursday we'll look to pick up uh, a little bit more now. I, I thought I'll probably end it. I think Thursday should end it. But I've been saying that already, but I, I don't see an end. I see the end game now. So if anybody has any questions, please call in 717-409-5553. Any comments, uh, you're welcome to call in and we can discuss it. So uh, Gigi and Randy, do you have any questions there about um, the teaching tonight about Christ's first and second coming in Daniel and the Beast? Yes, I do. I have a couple questions, actually. It's very good. You know, I, I really like it when you go slowly and then you talk about what, you know, what you're reading. I, I appreciate that a lot. It helps helps us to think along with you. I like okay. that. Okay. Um, I was just wondering, um, it, maybe this is not a direct question of what you were teaching, but as you're studying through this, I know that at some point, I mean, I know it says that it's going to be every tribe, every tongue, and every nation, but at some point, isn't there going to be the reversal of Babel? In, in what sense? Well, probably linguistically, I'm assuming. Uh, that people would have to speak the same language, even if there is a language, I don't know. And that, um, because the, you know, that was, that was obviously a curse at Babel. Um, and so I'm just thinking in there, there must be something that indicates that, that it's turned around. So instead of them being scattered and that's where the languages were scattered, that there's going to be something that allows that to be different than what happened there, that it's going to be some sort of, like I said, a reversal. 
Oh, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting that you should mention that because in Revelation chapter 14, there's an uh, angel proclaiming the everlasting gospel and then one warning not to take the mark of the beast. And it said it, it's the, the warning was to every tribe, nation, uh, people, and tongue. Right. So they were able to hear it. And then in Revelation chapter 11, when the two prophets were killed, everybody could see it. Everybody could see it on earth. Um, which I'm assuming that they, they could, um, understand what was going on so there is an indication for sure that um there it might be if if everybody can see it i think it's going to be like over the internet some some ways still function and maybe they have through ai on it they can break it down to every language that that is interesting that it is actually possible now it is actually possible, yes. That's incredible, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, well, all this technology is heading not, <laughs> in, a good, not in a good direction. No, a lot of, a lot it's, of it's going to be used to create the 666 surveillance system, complete control over the people. A lot of it is going to be used to create the image of the beast. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is going to be used for pure destruction of the people, the pestilence and all of that. I thought pestilence, when I was understanding, first understanding prophecy, I thought pestilence was um, like the bubonic, bubonic plague and smallpox and all. Right, I nev- the I, black death, yeah. I never really ever thought <laughs> until, well, a while back now, not not recent, but a while back, that man had the capability to create these plagues. So the the plagues in the end times might be man's knowledge. And then uh, at the days of Noah, we know uh, the Nephilim and there were giants on the earth and all. Yes, and that now, was an interesting comment, yeah, that you made before. Yeah, and now through genetic manipulation they can do the same thing that is it's it's odd to think about it i have to say i don't like to think about it much but that yeah that's very interesting it's things that we couldn't have imagined right you know, even 15 right. years ago if you think about it i i have to i'm being truthful now i never did see the homosexual agenda getting where it was until i don't know the late 90s early 2000s something like that i saw it and i said they're going to legalize sodomy as marriage that's the day is coming that it was so foreign it was so bizarre it was so inconceivable uh but whatever Whatever God created, uh, modern man wants to destroy. I, I, may I ask a question about a different book, but it relates to the topic? Okay. Um, Randy, Randy and I read through uh, the book of Jude today. 
Okay. And it was very, it was very interesting because it was talking about uh, basically Sodom and going after strange flesh. Yes. And so, I mean, I, you know, I've read different opinions about what that is, but um, I was wondering if that could have something to do with, maybe not necessarily the Nephilim, but something to do with that there's some other sort of odd corruption. Yes. Yeah, I, I think because what happened was the, um, uh, hang on here. Um, when you look back, the a flood came and all uh, the giants were uh, killed, yeah. right? But they came That's back. Right. They came back. They did. And they came back uh, like um, Goliath. And they came back to uh, Og. Remember the King Og up there in Bashan? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, I believe that they came back because man was doing the same thing they were doing before the, uh, the, the day of Noah. They were doing the yeah. same thing. And that's strange flesh. That's what they were doing at Sodom and Gomorrah also. Yes. It was just interesting. It was interesting because we just read that today. We went through the whole book of Jude, which doesn't take very long. But it was yeah, just interesting. Read Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 2 also. Yes. It okay. Goes, it goes along with it. They, It's almost some of it is quoting from each other. Yes. So I was... I can't remember what the other question was. Yeah, if it comes here, to me, well, I'll, let, I'll let ask me, it. <laughs> let me um, explain here. Strange flesh, right? So yes. Strange means uh, different, altered, um, strange. You know, one of the definitions for it is altered. Uh, and then we go to flesh. And that means, um, I'm, I'm looking through several definitions for it. All right, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at it right now, but, um, altered. So it's looking at like altered humans, the way I see it. altered. That's what strange is altered flesh. They were doing the same thing at, um, and Gamora that they were doing before the flood. And God was not going to have any of it, and uh, he wiped them out. It's just like he used um, Israel to wipe out the Nephilim up there when they were going back into the land. Remember? Yes, where there, there were all, they actually all had different names. So there were like tribal, tribal groups of them, right? Like the Zuzuim, and the, there were a lot of them. It looked like. Uh, I'm not sure. I know the one Bashan today would be the Golan Heights. Yes. And that was a center of them. And Og, and the, those were the ones the children of Israel were afraid of to go into the land. We were like grasshoppers on their side. They were afraid of the Nephilim. So, well, thank you so much, John. Okay. Yeah, so yes, read, go, go over and read um, uh, Second Peter 
chapter 2. And it was talking, yeah, they, they both go together, and they were talking about rebellion in these, uh, in Jude and in Second Peter. And it yeah. starts off giving an example about it. And it talks about the angels that left their uh, own uh, first estate. That's verse 6. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're reserved in everlasting chains under the darkness of judgment. Uh, until the great yeah. day. Then seven, it's Sodom and Gomorrah and what they did. But that's, see, it's like they it's went out of God's plan. Those angels that left their first estate, those were the, those are the ones that um, cohabitated here on earth and they made the Nephilim. And then it flows right into Sodom and Gomorrah. Likewise, also, yeah. these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak uh, evil of dignitaries. Also, there's one thing else in in Jude 7 that's very important. Um, What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So if a nation goes down the road that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah went down, they're going to get the same thing. So we haven't had nations go like down to Sodom and Gomorrah fully until now when they're legalized uh, they're making uh, they're making sodomy equivalent to marriage. I mean that that hasn't been done. Going back to, I don't even know if it was done in Sodom and Gomorrah. It doesn't mention it. But it says the days of Noah are gonna the Lord's coming is going to be like the days of Noah, which is now, you know, we're seeing it now. So um, God may judge nations here now like he did uh, Sodom and Gomorrah because they'll be doing the same things. Yes. Well, it's always rebellion against God's order. Always. Always. Man man loves sin. All right. So, okay. Thank you. you. Okay, Rita, any questions or comments? Um. Just a lot of interesting information, and I was blessed by it. Um, No, I don't have any comments. Okay. I'm glad you were blessed. All right. Sister Sister Sharon, how about yourself? I really, um, excuse me, I really enjoyed um, the teaching tonight. Good. I'm sorry, I really lost my voice here. And... um, I just really uh, like some of the words that you were using in trying to sort them out in my mind. Hold on, I got to take a sip of water. So am I. <laughs> I'm taking water also at the same time. Oh boy! Wow. Sorry about that, but um, oh, I really, really enjoyed uh, the teaching tonight and uh, some of the words that you were using. You know, I could connect them to, uh, like, what you're going to be teaching uh, next time you talk about this. Even even though you say it's only going to probably be one more time, I can still see in my mind's eye two or three more times. Okay. Well, and I it's don't... Uh, all good stuff. It's good stuff. Okay. Well, whatever. Whatever the Lord leads, I don't care. But I, I oh, really, I, I really was 
blessed uh, teaching Daniel 9 because I had um, taught a lot about and learned a lot as, as I was uh -huh. teaching it, Revelation, and Daniel really did the same thing. So teaching both of them has really, really, really uh, sharpened me in, in this area of Daniel. Oh, yeah. Well, of, of Daniel in general, and then the book of Revelation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think you did a wonderful job of, like uh, Gigi said, you went slow, and you made it uh, worth your time. Okay. All right. So thank you for that. I'm waiting for you to get back into action here, writing your notes. I miss hearing You know, I was thinking... Yeah, I was thinking of that today, and I says, man, I got to really start writing again. And um, I think it's something I'm going to have to do just to do in practice form, just to try to pick up my speed. My, but I notice my writing is, is improving, so I'm happy about that. But I got to be able to do it fast enough so that I can give you a, my horrendous reports. Okay, horrendous. And then we have uh, Paula Jean. Hi there. Yes. And, oh, um, hmm, a lot of food <laughs> for thought. Just a lot of food for thought. Um, one of the things that it helps me with, okay, is knowing how much God already knew when he had all this written about. Yeah. And I know that he would that none be lost, but I am no longer going to be fretting about if some are lost. Um, what my concern now is just that we seek to be led by him to the people that are going to embrace like the tracts or the words, his, his you know, uh, good news. Uh, so that we spend the time with those people and not a lot of time with the ones that he already knows or have got their backs turned and are stuck and don't want to be delivered. And um, so I believe that he knows a lot better than I do about that. So I'm uh -huh. just asking for him to lead me and to make most fruitful my time rather than allowing me to waste some of it. So that's that's what things like this make it clear that there are some that are not going to be saved and they have chosen it. Right. So I'm no longer, you know, a little mother hen fretting about well, children. Remember, go to Revelation chapter 14 and you'll see the okay. three angels there and how they spread the news. Right. right. They they give right. they warn. It says everybody on earth is warned. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And yet the the masses go ahead and take the mark of the beast. Right. You're well warned. and now in Revelation fourteen, that's after the rapture, right? Yes. Okay. Revelation so fourteen is taking place at mid tribulation. Right, right. That's where okay, it's taking place. so you're con concurring kind of with what I'm talking about, and just adding to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank I you. mean, God is 
everybody, well, that's alive at that time, is going to be warned uh -huh. not to take the yeah. mark of the beast. That's right. He covers it. Yeah. So it's not going to be hidden. It's not going to be, they're not going to be tricked. Well, it says they're going to be deceived, but what deceives them is their own sin. Holding on to the sin. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not being willing to let it go. Because um, that yeah. no, coming, I, I coming to Christ, that. coming to Christ involves uh, repentance. It does well, and by coming to Christ and doing the repenting, that's where the hold of the flesh is released from us. In other words, when we repent and He forgives us, and we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the ability. To say no again and again until that pull gives up most of the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I'm just so grateful that he uh, arranged it to give us what we need in order to continue to get closer to him. No. Anyway, thank you very much for the teaching. It added to my understanding. And that's real important. Okay. So I'm glad everybody was blessed. And we are, um, uh, well, tomorrow night, we'll be, I'm thinking about tomorrow night now. Uh, that's discipleship. And that is, uh, I'm talking about love. And that we're going to go into discipleship, uh, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. Very good. All right. So let me pray. And, uh, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your prophetic word. Um, it's all in your word, Lord. We just have to kind of study it and root around in it and rightly divide the word of truth, and there it is. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We know how it ends, and we're very, very close to the end of the beginning, the beginning of the end, rather. So... Uh, Lord, I pray that every one of us would have great peace, even for the hour we live in. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Continue to use us as much as possible, Lord. Um, we stand for the nation Israel. Uh, Israel is your prophetic uh, timepiece, Lord. Well, actually, Jerusalem is particular. And, Lord, the Jews are back under that covenant. Uh, they cannot be destroyed because of that covenant. So we thank you, Lord, that you'll be glorified. We pray for the salvation of the Jews, Lord. All Israel shall be saved. And we pray here for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A mighty, mighty, mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we praise you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, we'll call it a night, and tomorrow, uh, oh, Sharon. Yes, Captain John. Tomorrow, I'm going to uh, be at the prayer tomorrow, but Thursday I won't. Okay. Okay. You, you need me to help with prayer tomorrow? No, 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 uh, uh, Thursday. Oh, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I should be able to. Uh, We'll see how it works out. I'll do everything I can to be there. Okay. All right. God bless you now.
final. Oh God of burning, cleansing flame. Send the fire. Your blood-bought gift 